We're in a series called Space, and uh, we're trying to make space for things that matter in our life. And a lot of things matter in our life, and a lot of things we can make space for that don't matter. A lot of things that we do and time we spend is on things that just take up space. Does anybody just have things in their life that just take up space? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're like you're a regular donator, and you know you got to clean that closet out all the time. I don't mean get organized. I mean get rid of stuff. Anybody into that? I'm super into that. But I also like to keep things, so I'm... I'm I'm messed up, guys. I don't know what to tell you. So last week we talked about wisdom. You got to have wisdom to survive in this life. Correcto? Thank you. Yes, you got to have wisdom to survive in this life because what we can do is continue to juggle. Remember when I juggled brilliantly for you last week? Yeah, that was awesome, wasn't it? You're like, I'm never missing a Sunday again. He juggled. And so we, we, we got to, though, get into a rhythm of what can I juggle, what can't I juggle? What are the most important things, right? And a wise person knows what they can juggle, and they know what they can't juggle. But a wise person does some other things, too. A wise person is teachable. Would you say you're teachable? We'll find out in 32 and a half minutes, right? A wise person is teachable. A wise person repents. A wise person knows to go back to the Father and repent. A wise person surrenders to God. They give it all to God. A wise person submits to God and others. A wise person does that. A wise person makes space for things that matter in their life. So if you're wise, today we start to really put that wisdom into action. And today we're looking at something I believe is so so especially important. We're going to look at, at our heart. Look at your heart right now. Just everybody, put your hand on wherever you think your heart is. This isn't a, uh, a quiz or anything. Like the, the, the word heart, right? I mean, I even made a heart. I, I got my art on this week. Look at this. You ready? I did this in 20 seconds. Isn't that good? It's probably the best craft I've ever made in my life. I made a heart. That's where it ends, though. I can't do more than that. I, I'm going to use this in a minute, so just don't. Just You stay right there. The word heart in the Bible, even though we all put our hands on our heart, the word heart in the Bible doesn't necessarily mean heart. It's not referring to the organ, you know. It means, like, your center. It'd be weird if we said your gut, you know, like, everybody put your hand on your gut. Like, nobody really wants that, right? But, but that is what the Bible, when it refers to your heart, it's saying it is the center of who you are. So I think we're well within our realm to say, yeah, my center. Just do this with me, right? This is what I want to help today. This is what I want to make space for, this center of who I am. It's very important that we take care of who we are, the very center of who we are. And so, as you know, I pray through scripture. I hope all of you do too. I pray through scripture. I write out truth statements, and I got one that you're going to think is super cheesy because you've heard it your whole life. You ready? The first one, if you're online taking notes, if you like your journal, you write this down. This is what mine was. I will guard my heart Anybody ever heard that before? Come on, church kids. Let's see the hands. Yep, yep. I was part of a youth group too. Guard your heart, right? We're going to guard our heart. But it's very biblical. Here's why. Proverbs 4 says, My son, be attentive to my words. Incline your what? Ear. Incline your ear to my sayings. Now this is Solomon again. Remember, wisest dude that ever lived. Wisest dude that ever lived, he got these words from his dad, who got them from his parents, who got them from their parents, who got them eventually from Moses, who got them from God. So we want to tune our ears to what God has to say about what? Our heart. This isn't like throwaway advice. It's not a life hack. It's not a BuzzFeed top 10. This is real stuff. It says, let them, verse 21, let them not escape from your sight. 
Keep them within your heart. Keep them within your heart. Keep what within my heart? We just said it. The words of God. Keep them in your heart, for they are what? Life to those who find them, and healing to all their flesh. Keep your, here's that word again, heart with all vigilance, for from it flows the springs, I got to do that, right? The springs of life. If you, if you have the NIV, this, it's the one you know. That's the part you memorize. It says, above all else, this is NIV, above all else, ready? Guard, say it with me, guard your heart. Why? Because it is the wellspring. Remember, we put our hands right here. Everything I do, that's where it comes out of. So I want to guard that part of me. I want to make space for that part of me. I want God to heal my broken heart. And that's why he, he said, I want you to be whole. I want you to have a whole heart. That's why when you become a believer, we say this, and Jesus said, like, you get what? A new heart. You get a new wellspring because everything that you are flows out of your heart. So maybe gut is a better thing. Like, everything I am comes out of this. So I want to guard my heart. I, I want to guard the spring that is in me, the well that is in me. Anybody grow up on well water or have it now? Like, you don't want poison in that well water, do you? What happens if you get poison in your well? You drink poison. So what happens if I get poison in me? Then everything I do has poison on it. I don't want that. Because that is what I drink out of. That, that, that what I am inside of me, is that's what I'm drinking out of. That is what I'm actively being out of. Everything about me comes from my center of being. So my heart is the well of my life, and I should guard it. Can I get an amen on that? Come on, first service online. Let's do that, right? So what does that really mean? How does one really guard their heart? And I'm going to show you an illustration that I had taught to me Years and years ago, longer than I like to think, in youth group, Ryder, it's time to shine, buddy. We're not juggling today. You're just bringing me a chair. He's like, he's going to juggle on a chair. <laughs> no, I'm not. Okay, some of you, thanks, Ryder. Hey, everybody give Ryder a big old hand, man. He's at an event all day yesterday. Went to homecoming last night. Looked very sharp. I saw your picture. Okay, thank you very much. All right, so uh, here's the thing I saw in youth group growing up. Maybe you guys remember this, you church kids out there. They would say this, right? You got to guard your heart. You got to guard who you hang around with. You remember that? Remember that? Because what happens if you're around the wrong friends? What do they do? They pull you down. They pull you down. And my youth pastor, I'm not going to juggle up here. He would stand on a chair. This feels good up here, actually. Hey, Grant, let's get this stage raised, uh, 36 inches. No, I'm just kidding. He would say, you got to stand up and be high up here because everybody around you, they're trying to pull you down. So you got to guard your heart. I should have brought my heart up here with me. You got to guard your heart as you're up there, right? You guys remember this? This makes sense, doesn't it? And my heart is fragile. It is. It's, it, I, literally, I found this in a closet at the office. I mean, the paper mache. I cut it myself. Your heart is fragile. But people are coming around you, your friends, and they're trying to do what? Tempt you. They're trying to hurt your heart. What are some things that people get tempted by that you got to stay up, stand up straight for? Just holler some things out, but keep it PG, okay? Just holler some things out. What, what is it? Acceptance. Oh, that'd be good, right? Oh, my heart might, might get tugged towards that. What'd you say, Eric? Popularity. Who likes to be popular? I mean, I'm the one standing on the chair. You think I'd struggle with that? Like, you know... <laughs> 
<laughs> like, what else? Like, man, oh man, like there's so many things that are after my heart. And my youth pastor brilliantly used to say, you got to guard your heart. You got to guard your heart. Because everything around you is trying to pull you down. But the more I thought about this this week and over the last couple of weeks while I was, while I was uh, talking about this and thinking about this, is like the problem, there is a flaw in that illustration. There is a flaw in that. In that it kind of presupposes that my heart is good to go. And that if I just stay up high and keep my head up, I'll be fine. And that's why I want to spend time like making space for my heart. Because if, if I'm up here, then I'm assuming that everybody else is down there. Like, I love the illustration. Obviously, I stuck with it. But the flaw, the missing piece is this. I am being pulled down. Yes, people want to pull me down. But the problem is this. And you got to hear me. Hear me so close on this. You're going to get real close. The problem is I'm the problem. That everywhere I go, there I am. The problem is, is that yes, things will come by and some things go by. I mean, I have no desire whatsoever to do those things. But some things I do. Sometimes I do want that. And so if I'm not guarding my heart, the problem is me. It doesn't matter how stand up I am. It doesn't matter how high I can get myself. My heart is part of who I am. I'm not lured away because of all the influences, though that is a major component of it. I'm not refuting it completely. I'm lured because I have a heart problem. I have a heart problem. And everything I do is I got to get away from this thought that I am good and everyone else is bad. You see where the, the rub would be in this? I respond to the things going on around me because of what is going on inside of me. I have a heart problem. I cannot put all the blame on all the people trying to tempt me all the time. I just can't do that. That's kind of like, I don't know, it's bad theology. I have to look at my heart and see, like, what's up with that? i got to move this chair. It's, like, kind of bothering me that it's just sitting there like that. I don't know about you guys, stuff like that. So my heart needs to be dealt with. That's what we're going to do today. We're going to deal with our hearts through Proverbs because I read this great quote, Ray Ortland. I don't know if you guys have read him. He says, life does not flow from the outside in. It flows from the inside out. So I'm an inside out person. That's who I am. I can be tempted. I can do all those things. Those are real things. But my problem is a heart problem. Not everybody else. So, and you notice it says this, the way we live is a direct reflection of what we believe and what is going on in our heart. The way we live is a direct reflection of what we believe and what is going on in our heart. So we want to guard our heart. We want to make sure it is good to go. We want to take the time that we spent to get up, come to church, see our friends, get our kids checked in, and come in here and sing and listen and hear and believe and obey. But if we don't deal with our heart, if we just ignore the things that, that we're like, oh, my heart's pretty good, like maybe it didn't. Maybe you didn't. The words go further in Proverbs, verse 24, it says, 24, excuse me, it says, put away from you crooked speech and put devious talk far from you. You think that would help your heart? Remember, this is right after guard your heart. 
Well, God never gives a command and then doesn't tell you how to do it. Even in the garden, uh, worship and obey, right? That's what the whole uh, creation is about there at the beginning. I know there's other stuff in there too. He says, work the garden. Why? And by obeying me. This is how you do it. How do I guard my heart? Keep crooked speech away from you. So when you're standing up on that chair, you are high. Like, man, I'm closer to God than everybody else in here. But, well, I really want to be down there. <laughs> it's already in you, right? Jesus says it's an overflow. Your heart is an overflow. As your mouth speaks, it's an overflow of what is in your heart. So what should I work on, my mouth or my heart? What is your speech like? How do you talk to people? Are you harsh with people? Let your eyes, here's another one, we talk about your speech, how about this, verse 25. Let your eyes look directly forward and your gaze be straight before you. Do you think, do you think that would help your heart? If you kept your eyes on, on the important things? Don't look left and right. What I choose to look at, it matters. You say, well, I just can't help myself, though. I can't help myself. You can help yourself. You want to look. You have a heart problem. Let's be honest about it. No, no, no. That was too tempting what went by me. No, I get it. You have a heart problem, though. You need to work on your heart. That's what you need to make space for. That's why you came today. That's what we're going to work on. You know, if your eyes are constantly looking in directions and at things that they should not be looking at, I don't want to get too down in the details on that because, honestly, we all know what looking at you should be looking at I don't need me to tell you well he didn't say my thing so we're good <laughs> you know it's amazing what you don't need to say anymore isn't it and sometimes you do have to say it I'm not I'm not skirting truth and I'm not doing that but I'm telling you sometimes you come in here and you're like well if he says the exact thing that I'm dealing with then I'll know it's from the Lord listen if you're thinking that it's already been said to you you don't need this dude to say it your heart is screaming for your attention. Screaming for it. You say, well, why do I keep wanting to look there? Because I have a heart issue. Why do my eyes keep looking at that? Because I have a heart issue. I need to guard my heart and make sure it's clean. The well is poisoned. Okay, Whew. let's keep going. Ponder the path of your feet. Then all your ways will be sure. So it seems like a theme here, you know, the way I talk, the way I look, where I walk. All goes in to guarding my heart. All my steps, hear me, all my steps are evidence of where my heart is leading me. It's, it's like it's pulling me. There's all kinds of verses in the New Testament about that. So I want to guard my heart and step in the right direction. Remember, the way we live is a direct reflection of what we believe. So many times we say one thing. You ever do this? You say one thing, but you do something completely different than that? It's like, well, I believe that this is true, but I act like that is true. Then guess what? You don't believe that this is true. That's what you believe. That's fixable. Your, your heart is deceiving you. Do not swerve, verse 27, do not swerve to the right or to the left. Turn your foot away from evil. You say, well, how can I turn away from evil if I don't even know what's going on inside of me? It's because, here's why, here's why, I'm so convinced of this. Here's why, we, even just a minute ago, you felt a little, a little tinge, right, of conviction from the Holy Spirit. Just a little, just a little jolt, whatever it feels like to you. Sometimes I wish it was a jolt for me. Like, just shoot me straight, you know, just hit me, just hit me with it. You feel a little, and you know what we do? We try to change our circumstance. 
or we try to get into a group of other people that will fix that for us. And what we really need to do is say, I think my heart is the problem. My problem is I want to do that. I remember when I was in high school, I was talking to this good friend of mine. And we were talking about drinking. And he drank a lot. And I remember talking to him about that. And I was like, why do you keep doing that? And, and why, do you just, why don't you just stop? I was very naive, okay? And he was a high schooler. And he said, the difference between me and you is I want to do it. And you don't want to do it. He shot me straight as an arrow. Like, it made sense to me. Oh, you do this thing because you want to do this thing. And I don't do it because at that moment in my life, I didn't want to do it. That's, that's a micro little micro ecosystem of a heart problem. I could stop doing something for a long time, right? Habits, whatever you want to call it. Habits, uh, little, little things. I know there is clinical addiction, and I am in no way saying that you just think better about it. No, 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 I'm not saying that. But I'm saying in our heart, is the desire to do the things that we do. And it's leading us down paths that we don't have to go down. So I want to be, I want to slow down actually right now and just make some space for us to look at our heart because I think what happens, I'll tell you what happens with me, is when, when I get serious sometimes, uh, I'm talking with myself, right? When I get serious with myself or I really need to deal with something, what I do instead of dealing with it, you ready for this? I am bringing the tennis balls back out. Here's what I do. Instead of dealing with it, I just juggle more. I just try harder at the things I already know how to do. I'm like, you know what? I don't really want to deal with that right now. I got a lot going on, and I got to keep these three balls going in the air. So I don't even have time to look at you. I may just not even look at you. And then I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm like doing something completely. I'm supposed to be preaching a sermon right now. Do you ever just do this to keep from having to deal with your heart? You know what, I bet if I just, you know what, I should spend the time to work on four. I really should. All I got to do is figure out how to do two in one hand. I think if I spend, you don't need to work on four. You need to figure out what's going on in your heart. So my issue, 10 times out of 10, is rather than deal with my heart, I just try to get busier. I just try to add things up. I'll tell you this, here's, here's an area in my heart I work on all the time. You ready? I have trouble, this is going to surprise some of you, I have trouble shutting down sometimes. None of you look surprised. It hurts. It hurts. It hurts. I don't have trouble going on vacations. I don't have trouble taking trips. I don't have trouble getting away. What I have trouble is when I'm at those places being there. Anybody else? And so, because I know, here's why. Here's why. Afraid about this? I know why. If I slow down, guess what I got to stop doing? Juggling. And sometimes my juggle is what keeps me alive. Why? Because my identity. Look how good I juggle three. Look at this I ate. I'm not even juggling, and they think I'm juggling, right? You know, it's like, that's what keeps me going. And here's what I've learned is I can't get away from my heart that everywhere I go, it's with me. So it is prideful. It is prideful to think that I can get through things without God. That's prideful. It's idolatry. Do you know who I'm idolizing? Myself. So here's what I want to do. I want, I want us to just use our brain here and say, I'm going, to, I'm going to take my brain and I'm going to stop trying to just get through life by thinking my way through it. I'm going to use my brain to know that I need to work on my heart. So I love you just right now. Just, man, just close our eyes. I'm not done preaching, I promise you. This isn't like a 20-minute sermon. I got a lot more to cover. But I want to take space right here in the middle for us to just close our eyes 
We don't need to take notes. You just listen to the Father for a second. I'm going to walk you through some stuff. Honestly, I've been using this book uh, called Making Space, Jeff Vanderstelt, great little workbook. If you want a copy, I can loan you this one. You don't need to buy it. Um, he has this great set of questions. If you're in a community group, you've been hearing some of these already. But just right now, begin to pray and think and make space in your heart. And just, just ask yourself. Be really serious with yourself. Like, what is currently coming out of your life? What is your life producing right now? What do these things reveal about you and what you believe? And I would love to pray through this right now with you. Because I know, I know that people hurt you. They disappoint you. I disappoint you, I'm sure, sometimes. If I haven't, I will. Are we just going to juggle more? Are we just going to get busier? Or do we want to slow down? Don't pump the brakes, hit the brakes, and really pray right now and just ask God to show you, like, what am I believing right now? What am I believing right now? You ask the Lord. I'll be quiet. What am I believing right now? <laughs> Ask the Father, what am I feeling right now? What am I feeling? your emotions you know like am I happy am I sad am I mad all the time why let's look at our heart third question what what am I most passionate about right now you know what gets revealed sometimes in this part when I do this with people they'll say I don't think I'm passionate about anything that's, then, then you got a heart health issue. There's brokenness going on. God didn't create you to be a joyless, passionless person. I don't mean the loudest person. Remember, bold is not a character trait. Bold is something you get by asking. Sometimes we think boldness is just the loudest person in the room. That's not bold. That's just loud. What are you passionate about right now? And in that, ask the Father, what do I desire most? As you continue to pray, and you can look up, it says, I wrote this a moment ago, the way we live, and this is a revealer of that, the way we live is a direct reflection of what we believe and what is going on in our heart. So honestly, a moment ago, not even a moment, seconds ago when we prayed, if you were like, God, I don't have passion about anything right now, then you have a heart problem. What is, what is luring your heart away? What is trying to take, what has taken your passion? What is trying to take your passion? If I'm on the chair, what is luring me to, to get down off of the high that God has me on? What is the thing that is trying to steal my heart? You know, you know, temptation is not neutral. The 
that the enemy is after you. Temptation's not neutral. It is, it is actually going towards the brokenness in your heart. Many times we have an event in our life, maybe a series or season of events, and the enemy loves to come in and be the savior for you. He loves to attack your heart. You get your heart broken, the enemy comes in and says, I can help you with that. Because he attacks you in brokenness, in weakness. Would you say, I, I bet we get 100% participation as a yes on this. Would you say that you are most vulnerable when you're weak? That just makes sense, doesn't it? Do you think we're the only people on the planet that know that? That in all the heavenlies and all the demonic realm, that they haven't figured that out yet? Hey, I bet when Mark is tired, he's, uh, he's vulnerable. You, do you think the enemy knows that? Do you think he knows what kind of bait to put on the lure? But my heart is a problem because sometimes I want, I want it. So I want to guard my heart. I want to guard it well. I mean, do you think the enemy knows exactly what type of worm this fish likes? Anybody, anybody in here fish? Bob, you fish. Do you, ever just, do you ever just throw the hook out there and go, you know, fish love hooks. They just love hooks. There's something about a hook a fish love. They're not biting the hook. They're biting the bait. <laughs> so you spend a lot of time trying to find the perfect bait to get the fish to bite. Am I right? I know I'm right. I know I'm right. So do you think there's an enemy out there that when you're up there with your paper heart and you're standing, you're like, man, I am killing this. I'm getting it. I'm doing it. He's like, okay, all right. Well, those things didn't work. We'll find something else. We'll find something else. You better guard your heart, James said, but each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed. And we love that verse in James. Each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by what? You know what it is? His own desire. That's the kind of worm I like. That's the kind of worm I eat. Honestly, we could probably go around the room and we could all say, here is my biggest temptation. And some of us would be like, really? I don't know. This doesn't do it for me. It doesn't do it for me. But the things that do, that is my own desire. Then desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. It's very serious. You are being lured by your own desire. So you better guard your heart. The good news is, when I became a believer, when God saved me from my sin, he took my heart and he gave me a new heart that is filled with his desires. It's why the Holy Spirit in me is such a big deal. Holy Spirit in you is a big deal because he replaces that desire with a desire for him. But you better believe that the old me, the old heart, it wants back in the game. Every day, it wants back in the game. The verses before that in James say this, Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I'm being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person, we read this a minute ago, is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own worm, his own desire. Then desire, when it is conceived, give birth to sin, and sin will eventually grow into death. We see that, right? So when temptation comes, when the lure goes by, guess what? If I'm not guarding my heart, I want to do it. I want that worm. 
looks good to me. I desire it. So I want to guard my heart. I remember eighth grade. You ready for eighth grade picture, snapshot of Mark? Eighth grade, 14 years old, eighth grade. As you know, well documented, not great at algebra. I don't care. I'm over it. Uh, haven't needed it, honestly. Uh, so some of you use it every day. Love that you use it. I don't need it. I married the chemical engineer. All my problems went away. So my point is this, though. In the eighth grade, in the eighth grade, I missed the class. I missed the class, algebra class. And uh, I need to take a makeup exam. You ready for this? Our school, maybe your school said this, our school had partitions in between some classrooms. Anybody have a room like that? Very common in my high school, Summit Junior High School. Uh, shout out to all my friends that didn't know I was a preacher. Uh, so, <laughs> so we had this partition. Like, you would literally be sitting at a desk, uh, a wall made out of something. I don't even know what it was. You could hear through it. On the other side, a whole other class. So I missed a class. I had to take up a makeup exam the next day. Okay, that's the scene. I am sitting next to the partition with the algebra test, and I don't know any of the answers, like none of them. Like I'm like, whoop, another D coming my way, you know. And the only reason I'm not going to get an F is because teachers like me, you know. Like maybe that's not fair, but that's the way I did it, all right. So, and so I'm sitting over there, and Mrs. Bricky is watching me take this exam, and she's teaching the class too. And on my left, though, the other class, guess what they were doing? Grading the test from the day before. So. I'm sitting there, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, I don't know any of these. This is so hard. Did we go over this? Like, this is all I'm thinking. Like, my mom's going to kill me. And uh, I'm like, that's the problem I'm working. So all I got to do is write down the answers, and then I can make an A for once. Now, does anybody think that's a good-looking worm to me? You see, my heart's desire I, I honestly, be honest with you, you're going to think, well, you wanted to be good at math. I didn't. I didn't. I knew I wasn't good at it. I wanted to make an A. I wanted to make my mom proud. I wanted to show them that I actually knew something for once in this class. I did good in the other. See, even my, my toxic trait is I want you to think I'm smart in all the other areas, you know. What I didn't have in math, I made up for. No, I didn't, okay. But, like, I'm just sitting here and I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, what should I do? What should I do? 14-year-old me, what do you think I should do in this situation? Mrs. Bricky's way up there. I don't remember my eighth-grade uh, math teacher's name. I just kind of put that out of my mind. But, uh, and, and so I'm like, you know what? I'll just write them down. I'll just write the answers down, and I'll make an A for once. Who thinks that I bit the worm in that moment? I absolutely bit the worm. Who thinks I felt bad about it? No, I didn't. You know why? Because I got caught. <laughs> so Mrs. Bricky with him heels. Teachers always had heels in eighth grade. Clickety, clickety. Came walking up behind me, and I was I could feel her presence. She was intimidated. I could feel her presence, and I was like, oh, no. My hand was shaking. You'd think I was, like, trying to break the sound barrier. And I was like, I looked up, and I was like, I'm 14, guys. You, imagine a 14-year-old. Imagine a 14-year-old version of me. It's similar to what you see now. But and I looked up at her, and I was like, I remember I just, I just was out. I went, I can hear them grading the test. And she said, I know. <laughs> she was so gracious to me. She said, if you can show your work, we won't tell her. The problem was I could not show my work. Now, we can get super spiritual about that. I passed algebra. I never had to take it again, I promise you. But my point is this. The desire of my heart was to show people that I knew how to do something that they thought I was bad at. And so when given an opportunity to lie, cheat, and steal, all three in one, I wanted to do it. My heart was the problem. The teacher grading the test out loud, we can talk about best practices in the classroom all day. That probably wasn't the best thing to do. Like, you knew I was over there. We could talk about that all day long. But that's me standing on the chair holding my paper heart going, it's your fault! 
That's just gamemanship. Is it possible, guys, that the trial for me wasn't that uh, wasn't the algebra, but it was to see how I handled not being real good at something and the failure involved in that. That is what the book of James is saying there. God may be testing you, but he ain't tempting you. God don't put the worm on the hook. He's saying, let's look at our heart. Let's look at our heart. Trials come. When, for me, when I'm tired, what is it? Hungry, alone, uh, lonely, and to halt, right? When you feel those things coming, you're like, uh-oh, that's when the worm starts to look really good to the fish. You're having financial struggles, then that's when you need to double down on your heart. And really trust God. Uh, when you're having stress, anybody stressed out? Even in waves, right? Then you need to really double down to make space for your heart because it's not going to happen on accident. No one drifts towards holiness. You drift away from it. Am I paying attention to my heart? Am I guarding it? I don't mean, well, I'm not guarding it enough. Do not beat yourself up over this. I'm saying you, God wants you to have a healthy heart because everything you do flows out of that spring. Everything you do flows out of that spring. So if there's poison in the well, then you're sitting next to the partition and you can make an A on that test even though you know that she's going to know you cheated. But you say, I'm going to guard my heart. I'm going to trust God in this moment. The right thing is the right thing. Allow God to renew your heart. My team, worship team, come on up with me. We're going we're gonna to pray through some stuff. Ministry time, you ready? Here we go. We want God to take a look at our heart. Do we want to surrender our heart? Even ask yourself these questions maybe, and then we'll pray. Maybe you just want to go ahead and pray. Like, what, what is your passion right now? What is giving you anxiety right now? I'm not, I'm not a doctor. You know that. I'm not your doctor. But what is giving you anxiety? What are you worrying about so much? Are you just anxious all the time? Well, I don't know about my future and this and that, my kids and my, my mom. Like, what is going on? Is it poisoning the well? And you're just getting busier. Well, I'll just juggle more and I won't have to deal with it. What stresses you out? How many, how many of you, you, you know, oh, you know what? This, I can't wait to sit in traffic. No, you don't. What is stressing you out? Do you have a family that drives you nuts? Do not look around, right? Do you have a, do you have a church family that's driving you nuts? Oh, my goodness. Like, you know, do you have a, a news cycle? Just the way you ingest the world, is it driving you nuts? Is the way you juggle information just driving you? You can't handle it, and it's poisoning the well. You know, we used to live in a 24-hour news cycle. Remember those days? Now we live in like a 10-second news cycle. And I'm convinced that we are not designed to know everything at all times. In fact, that's an area, that's a stronghold I had to get rid of, is that I can't know everything all the time. I cannot know something. Are you angry all the time? Does everything set you off? People have to walk on eggshells around you because, you know why? You have a heart problem. Uh, are you exhausted all the time? You're just always tired. You can't play with your kids because you're tired. Or, and, and, and may, I, don't know, I don't know how to fix that, except for God wants to correct that for you and help your heart. We're going to do a whole week on rest, so I'm not in the last minute here hitting another 30-minute thing. Do you always uh, think people are talking or thinking about you? That's a lure, right? What have I told you guys a hundred times? You, you maybe have it memorized by now. People don't think about you as much as you think they think about you. You can let that go. There's your little nugget. You take nothing else away, that's it. That's it for you. 
Do you, do you frequently use tobacco or alcohol or prescription meds or even illegal medication to sort of calm you down? That's a heart problem. Some of you need treatment for that. Absolutely, 100%. But it is a heart issue at the core. What are you doing to ignore your heart? Or are you shutting down long enough to even have a look? Pray with me through this passage and just here's how Jesus approaches this. Paul wrote this, rejoice in the Lord always. I want you to pray this with me. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Literally, the Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything. Well, that's easier said than done. I mean, I hear you. The Lord is at hand. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to who? God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You believe that? Do you believe that the creator of the universe has the ability to put peace in your life that will blow you away? You will not be able to understand how it's possible. Your heart is important. The Bible even says, if you're here today, the Bible says that if you confess your sins, all those things, maybe you're like, I just thought they were bad things. They are bad things. But at the, at the heart of it, they are you rebelling against the Holy Father. And the Bible says if you confess those things to him and ask him to save you, he will. That Jesus died for you so you could have peace in your life. Be a joy-filled person. If you're here right now or watching online, you say, I want that. I want the peace that passes all understanding. And you pray to Jesus right now. You say, dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I believe you came in humility for me. You died on the cross. You rose from the grave. Come into my heart. You are my Savior. You are my Lord. I will follow you from this day forward. Let's make space for our heart.